Well, good morning, New Hope Church family. So good to be here with you today at our Tuesday and Thursday TNT Devo, where we put a little bit of dynamite power into our week in a way that only the Word of God can. My name is Larry, and I'm coming to you from the New Hope Church online campus studio. And as always, we'd love to know who you are and where you're tuning in from. So please leave a comment in the chat. Let us know. Uh, I got to say, this is a very, very cool week uh, in the life of the church. We just celebrated Palm Sunday, and that was the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem as a triumphant king. And, and those who were with him that had just witnessed him resurrecting Lazarus, which was a small preview of the resurrection to come, were celebrating with him and crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. It was a, definitely an emotional start to an emotional week for our Savior. But in addition to that, Palm Sunday also marks the anniversary of the day New Hope Church started in 1989. Pastor Tim and his wife Jane moved to the area to start this church, and all of us get to celebrate in the fruit of the act of that obedience 32 years ago. If you and your family have been impacted by the faithfulness of the Listons, I want you to share in the comments just how grateful you are for their willingness to be used by God. Amen? And we're only getting started, so join me as we continue to pray for Pastor Tim as he leads us and shepherds this body of the church. I can tell you without hesitation that Pastor Tim and the entire team that God has placed around him want nothing more than to faithfully serve God and the church, that both those who are already counting new hope as their home, as well as those who haven't found their way home just yet. Well, with Palm Sunday behind us, that puts Easter directly in front of us. Our series, Finding Hope in the Last Words of Jesus, just concluded, and if you missed any part of that, take time. Get on our YouTube and our Facebook page and, and go and watch that because it was a powerful series that serves as, as the perfect way to prepare our hearts and our minds for Easter. We spent seven weeks at the foot of the cross listening to what Jesus had to say as he hung there in our place. And as, as Pastor Tim put it this past weekend, we, we sometimes have this urge to just run to the, spoiler alert, run to the empty tomb but there was so much power expressed on the cross. So again, if you missed any of that, go back and watch it. Heck, if you, if you caught all of it, go back and watch it again. It was, it was a great series. And then here, too, we're, we're wrapping up a series in our TNT devotionals in preparation for Easter. This one was all about prayer and how to pray. We first worked through the, the prayer that Jesus offered as an example, commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Then we've been working through how to pray for different people. We've been... We've been move, uh, moving through kind of shrinking concentric circles, starting with very broad concepts of, of the world and the lost and praying for our governments, down to our, our neighbors and our friends, our, our family, our children, our spouses. And today, we're concluding this series with learning how to pray for ourselves. Praying for ourselves, that might strike us as a bit odd or self-serving, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that praying for ourselves probably ranks pretty high on the, on the list of things that we neglect. New Hopers in particular are very good at thinking of others, but might need some help sometimes, might struggle with putting their own needs on the list. And I can say this with relative certainty because even when 
Even when we're hit with a devastating bout of winter storms causing burst pipes and ruined homes in the middle of a global pandemic, we still have to resort to asking new hopers to essentially rat out each other in order to find out where deeds are. And, and even in situations where we know that families have been struggling, maybe financially, even before Snowvid, where their homes have now, because of Snowvid, been deemed unlivable, and they have to find temporary residence while their home is being renovated, but, but realistically, that renovation probably hasn't even started yet. In such serious situations like that, we have New Hope family members who would still say to us, we don't, we don't need assistance. Certainly there's someone who's worth, worse off. Help them. And I got, I got to tell you, we, we love these people. We love you guys. And, and we can, on one hand, admire their desire to, to make sure that others are taken care of while simultaneously praying that God would remove their stubbornness, which prevents them from accepting help. I won't ask for any virtual hand raises if you happen to fit that description. The, the hashtag humblebrag doesn't need any more use from well-meaning Christians who seem to struggle in realizing that, that in scriptures like Hebrews 13, 16, 16, which says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, that scriptures like that actually depict two-way streets that need both givers and receivers in order to be God-pleasing. So kind of transactionally, we can begin to see the need for asking for and praying for ourselves in due season. Like, it, it makes sense. If God uses you to bless others, then it stands for reason to think that he would use others to bless you. But let's take that a little bit deeper. If, if you're the type that in prayer exclusively focuses on others, petitioning for others, interceding on others' behalf, if you never pray for yourself... I believe that you might be missing out on really just the incredible intimacy that comes from telling your heavenly father your needs. The idea, I'm sure you've heard it before, the idea that God wants to have a personal relationship with you may have been uttered enough to become a cliche, becoming void of its meaning, and just another Christianese saying, but I got to tell you, it is the truth. God God wants to be in a personal relationship with you. And I, I challenge you to consider King David's words from Psalm 139. He says, speaking to God, he says, You have searched me and known me. And even before a word is on my tongue, you know it altogether. Have you experienced that type of closeness? That if you had a relationship where, where you're knowing what, what someone's going to say before they even have it on the tip of their tongue, feeling like you've been completely searched out and that there's no depths to you that have not been plumbed, that there's no secret place in your mind that has not been found out. This is the type of relationship that's available to all who call on the name of the Lord in prayer. That kind of intimacy and vulnerability, if we're honest, might actually sound like too much. But David understood that being known that well by his God meant that he had no need for pretense, that he could call out from the deepest hurts and pains, and God would understand and draw him nearer. In Psalm 61, David pens, Hear my cry, O God. 
Give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to thee when my heart is faint. James 4.8 tells us that when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And what a privilege, what a privilege to know the creator of the universe in such a way. And to know that he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from me. Okay, okay, so... God wants to hear from me and about me, but what am I supposed to pray? I've, I've asked to win the lotto on occasion, and it hasn't happened. So what exactly am I supposed to be praying to God about? I would posit that, that Scripture, that, that God's Word, is the best place to look for examples of what to pray for. Throughout the Bible, holy men moved by the Holy Spirit penned out these amazing prayers to God that serve us well today. Today, I want us to focus on one of, one of those such prayers. We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. So you have time to turn there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I've, I've long loved this scripture. I've used it for praying over friends and co-workers and ministry. The Apostle Paul puts to words what, what feels like the, the perfect prayer for others to do God's will. But today... We're going to turn this one inward. We're going to use this as a prayer for ourselves. So to start with, let me read it just as Paul wrote it, and I'm going to pray it over you. Again, I'm reading from the, the English Standard Version, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It says this. It says, To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to change some of these pronouns around. I'm going to read it again. We're going to make this prayer about ourselves. And I want you to receive this prayer. I want you to bind its words on your heart. It's good stuff. So, so again, just changing some of the pronouns, reading it again. To this end, I always pray... For myself, that, that my God may make me worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of my Lord Jesus may be glorified in me and me in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's about you. Put your name in all of those places. This is such a powerful prayer. And it, it can put you, it puts me at such a, a vulnerable and, and intimate place with God. There's so much good going on here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and sit on it. We're going to sit on these verses. We're going to really try and digest what the Apostle Paul, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, has for us here. So breaking it down, starting at the top again, it says, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, that, that our God may make me worthy of of his calling. So with the end or the purpose in mind, Paul starts. He, he lays out that his desire is for God to make you and to make me worthy of God's calling. And there's a, a number of implications here in this first statement. The first one is this, is that it implies that we are not already worthy. We begin with an acknowledgement that, that we come to this relationship with God unworthy. We bring nothing to the table 
but our own sinful selves. The second implication is that God can make us worthy. And listen to me. God is in the business of redemption. To redeem is to to purchase back, to ransom, to liberate or rescue from captivity or bondage. And God redeems us. And through his redemption, we can be made worthy of his calling. Think about it this way. Uh, A thing only has value in as much as someone is willing to pay for it. Again, a, a thing only has value in as much as someone is willing to pay for it. And Jesus paid it all. A death of infinite worth paid for your life and for mine. And it's for that reason alone that we could ever be called worthy. The third implication here in the beginning of this prayer is that the prayer itself, that that God may make you or me worthy of his calling, is an efficacious one. It's one that, that, that can actually be effective. The Apostle Paul says that he's always offering up this prayer so we can believe that it's a worthwhile prayer to pray. You want to be worthy of God's calling? Pray for God to make it so. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And then he continues, that our God may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Again, those words are from the translation I use, the English Standard Translation. It says, may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith. Uh, If you're reading the New International Version, it puts it a little differently. It says that he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. The New Living Translation puts it differently again. It says, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. And then for good measure, New King James. New King James says, to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. You can say it many different ways, and and it's translated in in, in so many different ways, but the essence of it is that we, in addition to to asking for the initial change of status from, from being unworthy to worthy, we should ask that by God's power, we would be able to accomplish all the good things our faith would have us seek to do. So there's this first step of of being made worthy, and then the second, more prolonged kind of step, if you want to call it that, of of being made able to perform good works. Elsewhere in the scripture, the terms justification and sanctification are used for delineating these concepts. When we throw ourselves on the mercy of Jesus, who has taken our sin and nailed it to the cross, he instantly provides for us his righteousness and his goodness, we are at once justified. That's the initial status change. But as anyone who has confessed Christ as Lord for any length of time knows, this this doesn't mean that we effortlessly now do only good and sin no more. Sin is still crouching at the door, waiting to overtake us. But by the continued work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification, the step over here, we find that the call to sin grows weaker and weaker. And ultimately, it's by his power that we can fulfill every resolve for good. This process of sanctification is a a lifelong one that's completed only when we die and are made perfect in heaven. 
the Christ follower from, from the day of justification remains in discipleship with the Holy Spirit until that day. Now, you have to forgive this proud dad for a really quick tangent, but I think it's, I think it's awesome, so, so come along with me. This upcoming Sunday, Easter Sunday, I get the privilege of baptizing my two oldest boys, Zeke and Xander. Uh, we've been talking much about it, and, and they are excited to walk into the waters of baptism, to share in Christ's death and resurrection, as baptism symbolizes, to publicly declare that they believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I am beyond excited about this outward act, which symbolizes their justification and being clothed in Christ's righteousness. But I'm more excited about what comes next, the continued discipleship I get to have with them as they mature. I'm excited about the work of the Holy Spirit in them as he sanctifies them and conforms them more and more into the image of God's Son. Baptism is just the first mile marker on their continued journey, and I'm going to continue to pray this prayer over them and to teach them to pray it over themselves, that God may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. This is the part of the prayer that gets really personal. This is where the struggle is. By praying that by God's power, we could fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith, it points out that our power is not sufficient. Even when we, as the ESV says it, are resolved to do good, our power is not sufficient. There's a saying that God will never give you more than you can handle, and, and this is a half-truth at best. It seems to imply that, that you have something within yourself that, that is everything that you might need to face any obstacle that might come your way. Again, this is, this is at most a half-truth, because as a, as a Christ follower, you do have the power in you, but it doesn't come from you. The power to overcome is a product of your walk with God. It comes from God. You're, you're going to undoubtedly face obstacles that if you were left to your own power, you wouldn't make it. But God doesn't leave us on our own to face such things. The Lord our God is with us. And according to Psalm 46, it says that, that because he's with us, we're not going to fear even though the earth gives way. Even though the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling, that in the face of that, because our God is with us, we won't fear. We continue reading uh, in verse 12. It says, So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. So what's the aim of all of this? Why should we seek to be made worthy of his calling? What's the point of the fulfillment of every good work? It's that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified. Jesus said as much in Matthew 5:16 when he says that we are to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who's in heaven. Our primary concern as Christ followers should be to know him and to make him known, to tell of his goodness and greatness. And when we glorify him, we will in turn be glorified in him. In John 12, 26, Jesus promises, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So by lifting high the name of Jesus we will ultimately share in his glory. And then finally, Paul concludes in this prayer, he says, 
that all of this is according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The sum of all the things prayed for in this prayer are extended to us according to God's grace, his unmerited favor. We probably do well to end every prayer with a reference to his grace, which, which alone is what allows us to approach him in prayer, to allows us to approach him who sits on the throne and to be able to address God as our father who's adopted us and made us co-heirs with his son, the king of kings, all by grace. And again, this is, this is just one of, of hundreds of prayers in scripture that would serve as, as excellent templates as we craft our words to, to speak to our, our just unfathomably approachable heavenly father. As, as has been said a number of times in this series already, prayer serves to align our hearts with God's by taking these words of scripture and praying them to the Father, we're, we're basically echoing his desire for us back to him. John Owen, a, a famous Puritan preacher, put it this way. He says, he who prays as he ought will endeavor to live as he prays. He's saying that, that the person who, who prays like they should and lines their hearts with God's is going to, to then work to live as he prays, that 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 through our prayer, we're going to have a better walk. I believe that to be true. I believe that our faith walk is inexorably linked to our prayer life. And I hope that, that you found this series to be helpful and encouraging. There's just so much power in prayer that we can sometimes neglect. God desires to hear from us. And though he already knows us inside and out and knows the words that we would say even before they've been formed, he delights in us coming to him in prayer. So I'm going to pray for us one final time in this prayer series for TNT Devos. If you join with me, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you as always humble and thankful. God, we're humbled at the idea that such a great and infinite God who would, who would plumb the depths of human hearts. And God, we're thankful that even knowing us through and through, despite knowing us through and through, you would love us and pursue us anyways. We're thankful that you are a redeemer who has given us infinite value by paying the price of infinite worth by the death of your son on the cross. God, I pray that, that prayers like this one would always be on our lips, that I pray that you would make us worthy of your calling and that through your immeasurable power, we would be able to accomplish every good work that's set before us. We pray that ultimately, this would be about bringing you glory and all of it according to your abundant grace. And Father, I echo the words of David in Psalm 19, where he says, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, thank you again for allowing me to come and, and open up God's word with you today. I'm excited to see all of you for Easter. We have all sorts of service times available at our physical lo uh, lo uh, locations, our campuses, that you can check out on our website, newhopechurch.tv. Uh, we also have our online campus service on Sunday at 945, at the end of which I'll be baptizing my two oldest sons. So give us a shout out then. I can't wait. We'll also be here on Thursday morning for another TNT Devo. Bye, New Hope Church family. I love you, and we will see you again soon.